In today's podcast, you are about to hear me talking with my son, Will Kui, about his recent deep dive into meditation practice. Hi, Will. Hi. You just came downstairs from meditating. Well, I, I was actually meditating with Bean in the living room, so I came upstairs. Oh. She, she's been, she comes over to me while I'm meditating, just hangs out. Bean is our Bichon Poodle. She's seven pounds, and she has been a blessing, particularly during the pandemic. Yes, she is like, she's straight from above. Straight from above. And you tapped on my door to see what I was up to. I had just finished working with a client and here we are. We've been wanting to have this discussion for months. Yes, we really have. You, I mean, it's when like, I'll say something after meditating or about meditation or about spirituality or something. And, and you're always like, Oh, don't, don't tell me. I want, I want to talk about it later oh, <laughs> where, yeah. where people can hear it. <laughs> True. So today we're talking about meditation specifically for the ADHD mind. Mm -hmm. And we've been wanting to have this discussion forever. So here we are, and you have gotten really into meditation during the pandemic. Yeah, it's been really changing a lot of things in my life. And it's really nice because it adds kind of a level of, it's like, even if I don't do anything else, if I don't get anything else done, I can at least be like, well, at least I meditated today. So at least I did something positive for myself, <laughs> even if I fail at every other thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. From a parent perspective, I see so many areas of progress for you as a young adult, like. I was just talking about this with a client today and mentioning for her, her son is a junior in high school and she's doing so many reminders and supports for him. And he's grown tremendously in the last few years with his ability to organize his life. But I mentioned how much I see from you with you using your calendar and you getting where you need to be on time and all of that. And that's really a separate issue they're connected. They're yeah. Connected. Well, let's talk about how they're connected. I think it's just mental clutter kind of gets uh, alleviated a little bit more from just having time to be quiet and be with your thoughts. And part of that's, you know, direct meditation. I think part of that's also just having a lot of time by myself in the pandemic, having a lot of time to just be with myself and really starting to understand your own, how you work uh, your shortcomings as well, I think, are really on display. The more time you're alone, I think. Mm -hmm. If you spend a lot of time by yourself, it's all amplified because there's no, there's nobody to, to kind of distract yourself with mm -hmm. from yourself. Um, and I'm pretty social, so I find people to be a really positive distraction, like my friends, where it's like, I want to talk to them to kind of get out of your own head, right? But so earlier this year, I was at Lawrence. And I had a single during the pandemic and I'm a transfer student. So, you know, I've had like, I had had like a term there to get to know people. And I was really, you know, I had friends and stuff like that, but two of my closest friends actually weren't there the term I was there. So I was there in my single and I ended up getting really down, really depressed and going home. But I think I did learn a lot from having that time with myself, even though I don't think it was the, it wasn't the best thing for me. I think that, 
it's kind of an incentive to get yourself together, pull yourself together a little bit because it really shows you that it's you. It's not the world. It's you. Like Mm -hmm. when you're there and you're struggling and you're having all these problems, you don't have anyone else to blame, but yourself. And then it's not that you should blame yourself, but you just realize like, no, I'm, I need to fix my own issues. I don't need to fix what's going on around me. I need to fix what's going on um, here in me. So you would say that when you were at Lawrence and you got really low, you were, it was the pandemic, you had to be by yourself. So isolation certainly contributes to depression, Yeah. but it sounds like there's something different that maybe like for you, you recognize there was a pattern. Had you been thinking your problems were more external and then you realized when you were at Lawrence, there was more of an internal piece or... Well, it's sort of like I realized that it's all in my head Um, or that it's not, it's not that it's not real. It's not that issues aren't real, but it's just realizing like, you know, what really was causing me discomfort was my thoughts. Okay. So that's what you noticed. And then did that. That I didn't have any control over. My thoughts were just totally in control of me from beginning of the day up to the end of the day. I was a complete servant to them. And I realized, and I realized that because, you know, I was going through some romantic stuff at the time and there's just lots of different things. And I feel like I was just a, completely at the mercy of my, my perception of how my thoughts wanted to frame things. Um, I was just not able to stop them. You know, you can't really just, you can't just say stop. They don't stop like that's not how thought works. So I learned a lot from that experience of just realizing like, you know, if I'm going to change, I need to change my thoughts. That's really the crux of what I'm of my issue, because I noticed, you know, there's other people who are in a single right now who aren't having this reaction. Mm, Right. And then I mean, I took that personally at first where I was like, you know, what's wrong with me? Uh, And then you can use that. You can let that feed your ego negatively here. You know, you can let that feed your where it's a comparative thing where it's, oh, my God, they're better than me because they are Mm. not having a depressive episode or all these different things but like ultimately I just realized it's like these are all just stories that I'm telling myself about the way that my the way things are it's stuff mm-hmm. that aren't really necessarily grounded in in truth well, I love the sentence you said I was a servant to my thoughts and I also don't believe you were meditating back Mm-mm. then no, no. no, no. okay so I just want to make not that clear all. you were not meditating and then we as a family worked we talked and, you know, like everybody whose college students were coming home and you were struggling more than many and you recognize that. And when, at what point did you think, I think I'm going to start meditating? I need to think about that for a second. Um, you know, I think I kind of dabbled in it. It was just, too, it seemed too hard. So I feel like I had kind of been interested in all the things surrounding it as opposed to the actual act. It's really easy to do that. And I still do that to an extent where, you know, you read, you can read 150 books about Taoism, Zen, Buddhism, Hinduism, but if you're not actually doing the work, then they don't make that much of a difference, you know, because they're all pointing to the same thing. They're all pointing at the quiet your mind and you'll, and it'll help your life a lot. That's really what they're all saying. But if you're not working to do that, I mean, I feel like it's really easy to appease yourself by being like, you know, well, I'm reading this, so I'm getting better. (laughs) But it's like, there's, you can hear what they're saying, but not do what they're saying. Well, and because you have ADHD, were you feeling like 
quiet my mind. I can't do this. Or like, what, how, how was, how did the transition? Do you remember your mm. first meditative experience? Uh, yeah. Um, I just remember taking it little by little. I think it was, you know, I started meditating really when I got back from from Lawrence. And I think it was just because I needed to supplement because I often used drugs to kind of induce that state of kind of calm or euphoria or something like that. Um, and when I came home, I mean, I remember talking to you in the car, you were just like, you know, you're not going to be able to do illegal things in the house. And I was just like, okay, you know, I agreed to that. You were first pissed off. I was me, first a little pissed were... off, but then I agreed. <laughs> um, and I just kind of realized it's like, it just happened naturally. Once I kind of quit those other things, it kind of just naturally started happening because I really thought about it. And I, I realized like, I want to find a way to really find calm, calmness and peace that first of all, doesn't cost any money. <laughs> Not first of all, but that by cost no, any money, I mean, isn't external to myself. I don't have to buy it from someone. I don't have to try to find it. I don't have to run out. I don't have to, and I don't have to have any side effects or anything like that. Like, cause that's the thing I, I never really liked. There was always aspects I liked of certain substances, but I never liked the whole thing. It's never like there's everything about it. You like, it was like, I like the part maybe where it makes you sleep better or something like that. But it's like, you know, and I never liked them like that. I'd be groggy and kind of like, yeah. and sort of dazed. It's yes. like, I don't like that. So I kind of was like, I want something where I can find calmness, find peace. You know, I'm not, I can't get arrested for it. My family isn't going to be in distress. Yes. I'm not going to be in trouble with anyone. I'm not going to be feeling guilty myself. It's just, it's just way more positive in every way. So I was yeah. just like, wanted that instead. I was like, why am I? But the hard thing is it takes a little bit, you know, it takes more, more effort, but it's way more rewarding. Well, let's try to create a visual scene where you are advising someone who's struggling on first steps for meditation, like an actual plan of mm -hmm. how you implement this. Perfect. Um, it's just, just start small. I mean, I've been doing it for a couple months now more and Miss Mary made a huge difference. I'm not totally obsessed with it or obsessive about it. I, I would just say, take small chunks. If you need to, if you cannot do more than 10 minutes, that's fine. Just do 10 minutes because it's infinitely better than not doing it. Like, yes. because it'll build. It's like, it's really like going to the gym in a way. It's like, you're not going to go there and be one of those guys who's able to bench a hundred and you know, whatever, how many yeah. pounds you need to start small. You're, you're, especially if you have ADHD, you're kind of a shrimp. And <laughs> so you need to start you're a shrimp in the ocean world. Maybe you're just kind of shrimpy in the meditation world. Probably. Okay. Maybe not. I don't know. I shouldn't, I shouldn't really say that, but like, <laughs> I'm just saying like, don't expect much of yourself. Don't be like, cause the worst thing you can do is be like, Oh, I'm such a shit meditator. Oh, oh yeah. God. And then get all mad about it. It's like, mm, just try to get through 10 minutes if you can. And if you, and if you find yourself where that works, do 20, that works, do 30. And, you know, I would say in the beginning, you really don't need to be doing more than 30 minutes at a time. Um, if you can do it multiple times a day, if you need to, but I would just say, don't just let it naturally grow into your life. Don't try to force anything. What is a beginner book about 
mindset or any of this that you would suggest for someone? Pieces Every Step by Thich Nhat Hanh is a great place to start because he talks about how he not only talks about meditation in that book, but he talks about very simple things you can do to bring yourself to the present moment in your, um, just in daily life. You know, he has little chap, he has chapters about gardening. He has chapters about doing the dishes. He has, I mean, it's just like peeling an orange, peeling an orange. Exactly. So it's like, these are just ordinary things that we do all the time that he teaches how to just do in a way that you're more present, more in the moment. So that book was a huge starter book for me. And then I would say beyond that, just trust your, trust your instincts. If you feel drawn to, maybe you've read a little book about the Tao, or maybe you've heard about Zen, or maybe you've heard about any of these different practices, just go towards what feels right for you. And if you're not a spiritual type of person, not a woo-woo like me, then uh, there's meditation for people who aren't, who are atheists. I mean, for good, you don't have to be anything. I think there's a big misconception that you have to be like a, a, you have to believe in God or you have to believe in something to meditate. It's so not true. You, you don't have to believe in anything to meditate. So just, just go towards what feels right. People who you, I think go towards guides who you trust. Yes. I'm so like specific about setting, you know, me, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. very into what a room feels like. So what do you think has helped you in terms of props, anything that like pillows or cushions Mm -hmm. or, you know, say you're going to meditate. Is there a space, something that helps you having ADHD that helps you get into that mindset when you go to a space to meditate? Absolutely. I'm not very flexible. So I'm getting more flexible because I do yoga now with my, with my mom. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm not really innately flexible. So I think that's another excuse that can keep you from meditating as you sit down on a cushion and your legs hurt and your back doesn't feel right. And everything is twitchy and uncomfortable. And you're just like, well, I can't freaking do this. God. <laughs> Trust yourself. I, I, there's not one position you know, you can meditate in a chair. I have found actually that the more comfortable, I, I, I think just get comfortable. Um, it generally helps to have a straight back because that kind of keeps you from dozing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of want to have some part of your body that's like a- attentive. That's like, and by that, I mean, this doesn't mean tense, but that isn't totally loose. Like you yeah. kind of want to have some p- posture going. Um, but that can, you can be sitting in a chair if your legs don't like to bend. You can even do it on your couch. It's not about rigidity. It's about just being comfortable, but not lethargic. You're not rigid. You're not tense, but you're not totally like flopping around. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but like, yeah, I, and you should get a pair of noise canceling headphones. Oh yeah. You talk about this. Say more. About uh-huh. that. You should get a pair of noise canceling headphones. Prep, and uh, Bluetooth is great because you know, we like as ADHDers like to move around. So you don't want to get your cord tangled. So having a pair of Bluetooth noise canceling headphones is, has been an essential for me because when my family's being really loud, I can sometimes, you know, I can get really distracted by, and it's like, it's not their fault. Like, I don't want to like, it's really, you don't want to be the guy who's like, everyone needs to be quiet. So I can, it's just be, so I can do what I need to do. It's like that, that role gets so old. So you should just, for me, it's nice because I put on my headphones 
And I put on, there's all kinds of music on Spotify that's like really relaxing and that's not really like meant to garner your attention. It's like, you probably aren't wanting to listen to Megadeth while you're trying to meditate or study, but there's a lot of music on there that's like really just music. It's like white noise almost. It's just to mask out other sound, but it's still pleasant. So it's like, that's really what I'm into is it's like, I put on my headphones, I find some music that's not going to really draw my attention to it, but it's also not it's not unpleasant. And then I can really, really focus because it's just all that sense stimuli is, is kind of blocked. Yeah. And I get to be in my own world, especially if you couple that with meditation or if you couple that with medic medication, like maybe taking Ritalin or something like that. Like you can really hone in easier on what you need to do. Um, so are we moving, you're, you're shifting a bit to just the ADHD brain and quieting the mind. So you, do you usually wear noise canceling headphones when you meditate? No, no, I, you go to a separate space. So, so that's just more, I'm, I'm more bringing this up to say I do. And I don't, sometimes it feels right. Sometimes I don't do it. I think it's more also like if you're meditating in like a dorm or something like that, it's just, yeah. it's just more, I'm just more trying to give it to someone who, if you don't have an ac access to a quiet yes. space, you can make a quiet space for yourself with, with that. It's, it really helps. And I would say, you know, you can find a cool place outside to do it. That's more quiet. Like you can go to a park and part of the practice is not being drawn in by stimuli. So if there's a child laughing or somebody biking by your, you know, it's part of your practice is to learn how to let that go. So I would say, don't be afraid of stimuli, but if it's a loud conversation going on yes. in the room next to you, that's not conducive. So you want to have a way of neutralizing that. Yes. Let's say you're meditating and you hear something at home maybe you hear is there something that you're learning to do with your mind when you meditate like anything that's practicing on how to move your mind back to where you want it to be breath you just go back to your breath is really it's so that's the big one for me and also practicing not feeling the need to label or visualize the sound no. so it's sort of like the sound you can let because your brain will do that for you a lot of the time we actually think we need to make our brain like we need to listen to people. But you, the funny thing is, is that if you speak a word to me right now, I don't have to try to know it. I don't have to try to understand it. There's no effort I have to do. My brain will do it for me. My brain, your, your brain knows how to understand words and your brain knows how to compartmentalize sound. So you don't need to pay attention to the sound. You, your brain will do that for you. So if you hear a dog walking by, you'll know it's a dog right away. You don't need to go you don't need to start thinking about the dog and you don't need to start visualizing what the dog looks like. Your brain will immediately be like, that's a dog. Yes. And it might even say it, but then you let that go too. You don't, cause the worst thing and something I do all the time is my brain will do make a visualization or it'll make a thought structure about whatever stimuli is taking place, whether or not it's a bird or my knee or whatever. And it's hard not sometimes to be, you know, you kind of want to tell your brain to shut up, but at the same time, you just have to know that you just, the best thing you can do in that situation is just recognize that, recognize what just happened, recognize that it happened and just go back to, go back to the breath because it's not something you can really prevent. It's not like you can prevent your brain from making any, an association with stimuli. So you just have to let the stimuli in your brain play their game and just keep doing your thing. So when you say the breath, 
do you, are you counting with your breathing or what do you do to focus on your breath? It's kind of hard to talk about, but I, I don't see a lot of Zen people are into the counting. I find the counting that can be a little tedious. I mean, that's just my personal preference. It's again, there's, this is where we're starting to get more into methodology and there's so many different, it, it can get really pretty overwhelming when you first start opening into this world. Cause there's like, somebody's telling you, you know, one person's telling you to think about the breath. One person's telling you not to, one person's <laughs> telling you, it's just, there's no, I would say the most simple, basic meditation that is you is bound to basically will work for you is most likely sitting down comfortably and returning to your breath. And what that means is, is basically just paying attention to it. It doesn't mean like giving your conscious attention to it in the same way that um, when you're listening to music, yeah, you're, paying you're just paying attention to the music. You're not thinking about the music. You're not like, Oh, that was a B flat. That was a, it's like, I mean, maybe you are if you have perfect pitch, but it's more like you're just listening. You're just giving it, you're just, you're giving it conscious attention. So that's really what you're doing. You're just giving your attention to the breath. And a lot, sometimes you'll hear people say, don't try to control your breath, try to control your breath by breathing deeply. There's no, just let your breath, if, if you find yourself controlling your breath, control it. If you find yourself not controlling your breath, don't control it. Just don't, so just don't, um, don't obsess. Don't obsess. The worst thing you can do is get rigid because that's the whole thing this is trying to keep you from doing is get locked into a pattern or yes. locked into some idea of what you need to be doing. It's, this is about letting go. This is not about one person's method or another person's method. So I would just say, if you're getting it started, just return to the breath. It's not a bad thing if your breath goes into your belly. That's one thing I've noticed. I find it pretty relaxing to feel my breath kind of move my lower abdomen. Mm -hmm. And because then you can, it's a deep breath. That's kind of how you know you're breathing deeply. But again, then again, if your breath isn't doing that naturally, don't worry about it because the more you meditate, the more your breath will actually deepen on its own. You have no, there's nothing you should be doing to try to make it do it. Just, it'll happen naturally. It will happen. It will happen. Mm -hmm. Just like this conversation, you tapped on my door <laughs> and I had finished and you said, are you in there? <laughs> That's what you guys do when I've finished a session and you don't hear talking because of my virtual work. Uh, and then we were able to talk about this, which, you know, I'm reading the book, The Gift of Therapy by Irvin Yalom. And it's that vulnerability piece he talks about as a clinician, being open and transparent with clients. And you're willing to do that. So thank you. Well, thank you. I It's taken time to get there to where I'm able to accept what has happened, different things that I've, that I've encountered in life experiences. Um, it's taken time and then and it's taken some therapy too. So yeah, it's, it's a process. I, um, it's never done. It's never over. It's always, you're always growing. So you are always growing. And that's the thing with, you know, as a person and with your ADHD, it's always changing. Mm -hmm. you're working with it. And like you've named, you've dropped, you've talked about therapy. You've talked a little bit about meds, meditation, 
uh, yoga, lots mm -hmm. of things that you maybe weren't open to in the past that over mm -hmm. time you've become, you've flexed with. So, hey, we'll, we'll have our next conversation about who knows what. Thanks for joining me on Finding Your Brilliance. Again, my guest today was the one and only Will Quee. If this topic speaks to you, feel free to subscribe to my podcast and pass this episode on to others who could use the support. You can find out more about me on my website, KQ ADHD and you. That's the letter U.com.